Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. All right, wrapping up Take Command. We will be live back at Tap Sports Bar this weekend, MGM National Harbor. Come hang out with us for the Take Command pregame show. Logan will be back. Uh, very subdued, uh, Linnell, this weekend, by the really? way. Really? Get, you get a pregame kind of groggy, Linnell. Much more, much more <laughs> in the lines than an in-game or a post-game Linnell. When he's fired up, his anxiety is built. Yeah, it was, yeah we had like a good time. Why? I used to do that uh, that in game show with him where we were kind of reviewing um, yeah things as they and, happen yes and he would get so up and so down but it was it was fun it, that, it's perfect yeah. for that kind of thing but that's sure. it's funny that he he can like turn it on turn it off I think so yeah uh, so we we had a good time but uh, Logan is back this weekend so uh, come come celebrate or get your New Year's Eve celebration started with us uh, at Tap Sports Bar. MGM National Harbor on Sunday. 10 a.m. is when the show starts. Doors open if you want to come hang out in person at 11. All right, Logan, quickly to wrap up the podcast here. The defense, um, they didn't have a chance in the first half. uh, No. Because they did not have to, they did not get to line up on the right side of the 50 until the fourth drive of the game. That's crazy. Truly nuts. You had the turnovers, you had... The block punt, you had a pretty poor punt by Tressway. I didn't even put that in the special teams notes earlier. Um, and then and then eventually they, they were on the right side of the 50. Um, by that point, they had given up some points because, of course, they had. Even with holds, you're giving up field goals there. Um, they do give up the explosive to Brees Hall. Then they pitch a shutout to the very end in the second half. So you see a, a mixed bag. Um, I felt like they were playing faster, more physical. Like I, I actually liked a lot of what I saw on defense um, outside of Benjamin St. Juice continually getting picked on, uh, but we can talk about that in a, in a second. Overall, big high-level thoughts on the defense. How, how did you come down in this game? I mean, they're playing better um, than they were, which is good. Like, it's good to see guys like Percy Butler flying to the football. I love watching Quan Martin. I like, you know, he's not always in the right spot. He's not always doing the right thing, but he's a physical, aggressive, passionate football player that is, I, I, I love watching him play. Like, he... There's a play I forget. They're running a duo out of a bunch, and the receiver's coming to crack him because he's the nickel player. And he like literally like bench presses this dude over the like it was. You get like that that gets gives me chills thinking about it. Um, you know, I think uh, you got some better rushes from James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill this week. You can tell they worked through it. They've been working really hard on that. So great job by them. I thought John and Duran flashed a little bit. I think I'd still like to see Duran catch some rushes from the edge. You know, especially after effect how effective it was in the one opportunity he had versus <laughs> LA. Um, Cody Barton, like, he's just a guy that I think you see why they brought him here, like the elevation yeah. of the position and how he elevates people around him. 
So like, that's been awesome. The interception, he had a really nice pass breakup in the red zone. Like he's, he's a, he's a good football player. He, I think he's not quite as effective in the run, but I think he's doing yeah. what he's supposed to do and he's elevating the guys around him. So like, that's fantastic. Kendall Fuller, I think. Yeah. Every I think single, just real quick go, on Cody, yeah. like, I think you either need to get a stud middle linebacker and you can keep Cam Curl and, and kind of that secondary group together or you need a stud communicator at safety and you can live with Barton and Davis. Well, I think that's year. the thing is like, yeah, to, that's a great point. Like when you watch Cody, like he, his level of communication has elevated everybody in that front. And I think you just need that same level of communication in the back end. And I think, I think Cam Crow's a really good football player, but he's not quite that mouthpiece that I think this defense needs at the moment. And I think that's where you see some of the issues not 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 because of him, but because stylistically they don't have anybody that's this really great communicator in the back end that's getting people on the same page. So, but I, I so Cody gets a lot of credit. Khalid gets a lot of credit. Like he just plays much as I was talking about Quan. He just plays hard, man. And it's not always in the right spot. It's not always perfect, but he's flying to the football. He plays with great energy. Plays with great emotion. Love that Mayo. I thought did some really good stuff. Like in his role, like when they're in these heavy run formations, like that's what Mayo's good at get him out there does a great job so um i think obviously not a perfect game they i think they were but they were pretty close in terms of but they were also leveraged to the hilt man they, yeah. they pff had him at 90 snaps dude 91 is what i had yeah and um so 100 and like you're just 85 I think, 85 official snaps when, when you take out the penalties and stuff 85 and think, official plays in the game and i think one of the things you look at there is you're like they they are doing a good job, but then there's these situations on third and seven where they throw a hitch to um, Garrett Wilson and he makes a guy miss and gets a first down. And like you've done everything, it's third and seven. Like you've won yeah. the first two downs of this. Are you talking about the one where Quan nearly picks it and then? Or is that, that was because it happened multiple times? It happened twice or three times, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that was and one of like, them. Like Quan's so close, and you're right. like, yeah. And even and if he like, tries to go for the tackle instead of the pick. Like, and it like surprises fine. him like the ball's in there and he, it's like yeah. oh it's like you're right here and those those things happen but i think the fact that there was multiple missed tackles that led to extensions of drives like you mentioned that 90 or 85 plays whatever we settled on there yeah. um i think that's something that i'd still like to get fixed but i think the the catastrophic um mistakes have come way way down we can talk about that run real quick that's yeah. um that's like a duo and that's kind of a new run I'd say in the last two years so basically you get the tight end off the ball to the right and instead of running duo to the tight end side which is to the right you bring him across the formation he kicks out the fullback who's also a tight end leads up and so basically the way the reason that run is so effective is you set the strength of your defensive line to the tight end so you put your three technique to the tight end and by structuring it that way, you have a shade to the weak side. So someone who's lined up on the outside shoulder of the center. So there's a natural bubble there between the the tackle, who in this case is Deron Payne, and the defensive end, who's Casey Tuhill. So there's you've created space. So there's nobody over the tackle. And that's by design because you're not expecting them to run over there. When you do this quick change of strength motion, you can't adjust the shade to a three technique. It makes a really easy down block for the tackle, a really good line to the linebacker, and then Barton is getting kicked out in a lead situation where he's scraping over the top, kind of avoiding the tackle, makes an easier block, and then you got to get Benjamin St. Juice to fit that run. So um, yeah. I think like that's a good play design. They've seen that play before. They've fit it better. But 
when you run that behind Makai Becton, who's maybe one of the best run blocking tackles in the NFL, like you're going to get some movement. There's going to be some space. And Brees Hall, when you give him space, is going to have a pretty successful day. So there's that. But outside of that and the DPIs, I mean, that was another thing that drove me nuts watching by yeah. um, by St. Juice, two of them. Like those extend drives in significant mm-hmm. ways. And there's a couple situations where, to his credit, and again, I know a lot of people don't give him credit. Like he'll make a nice PBU, he'll make yep. a nice tackle, and and it's all him. Like you, you're in second and you're in third and ten because of him, and then they're in first and ten from first and goal because of a DPI that you gave up. So I think there has been an improvement in his play, but there's still these blemishes that you kind of look through. Like he had a great PBU in the red zone that's that keeps a touchdown off the board. You're like, great job, Benjamin St. Just. But then you have those two other ones that extend drives right. and one's a chunk, chunk explosive play, quite frankly. So, Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I just, to me, I was incredibly frustrated. One, because they keep, like, it's the same thing we talked about all year. If Benjamin St. Juice is a good football player, okay, great. But he's not a number one corner. Quit putting him on number one receivers. And, you know, Garrett Wilson is torturing him. And you're just like, okay, this is preventable. Why, Why are we doing this? So that's thing one. Thing two, I can't imagine being Ron Rivera as the def- defensive coordinator, Ron Rivera, and having my number one overall pick that I was so excited about on the bench and watching uh, teams every single week pick on a guy who is out there trying his damnedest, and he's making some plays, yeah. but there's an inevitability to it because he's only so good. And you like you can't get caught up in the good that Benjamin has and be like, oh, well, the bad will just disappear. No, they're both going to happen. And right. the, the bad is, is inevitable. So, like, you have Emmanuel Forbes. What are you doing? I, I don't know what Emmanuel Forbes did or is doing to Ron Rivera in practice yeah. or during the week or whatever. But it is inexcusable at this point in the season to me, um, based off what we know. And I will reserve, I, I will caveat it by saying there could be something happening in the building. For all I know, like, Emmanuel runs around in practice with his pants on his head or something. I don't know. Whatever right. the hell he could be doing during the week. But... Unless there's something crazy, in which case he shouldn't be dressing and like you should suspend him, right? right? But if, unless there's something crazy happening, there's no reason in a lost season in these games to not have Forbes out there. And I think Emmanuel played pretty well once he got in. I know that Ron was like, oh, well, there's still some things we have to clean up. No kidding. He's a rookie. But like, give him the chance to do it. You can't do what you've done to Sam on one, one end and then take your first round pick from this year on the other and take a completely opposite, different approach. Like that, I think that's one of the things that really frustrates me about this regime is like, who gets the discipline? Who gets the, like, there's no consistency in how they treat players. And it, it seems like some of the defensive guys and their first round picks, especially have really gotten the raw end of that deal over the years. Jamin, I feel like yeah. got that a couple of years ago. Emmanuel's getting it now. And there's just no consistency. And I would imagine that's not great within the locker room. But I think more importantly, like larger picture, I don't think it's good for the player's development. And uh, I also think it's not fair to Benjamin. Like quit quit making him be in positions that is that are bad. And just all in all, when there's a solution that, that, that that's obviously present, 
um, or that obviously present in Emmanuel. Like, I just, I don't get it. I I can't possibly get it. And I think to to that point, and just to kind of flesh that out, I think back to training camp, and they had it right. I think they said Benjamin St. Juice is going to be the nickel. You know, Forbes is going to play outside. Fuller is going to play outside. And I think we kind of like, that's weird. Why not? Fuller at the nickel and St. Juice playing outside, but I think that's seems to be his home, seems to be where he's more comfortable, and he does a good job there. So think about you're kind of taking him out of this role where he's he's comfortable, he's playing well, and he's playing outside now all the time. And I don't I don't really understand it because you know Quan was the guy that I thought was struggling a little bit more than Forbes, and he's played and he's played well. And I'm kind of it'd be interesting to talk to somebody about that, about why there's been this reluctance to play him. Obviously the injury is maybe still a thing, but ultimately I think you want to see him out there. And it kind of reminds me of like when you have like a, like a running back who's very, very talented, but is not good at picking up the blitz. And like, they can't play like they literally, you cannot put them on the field because they don't know what they're doing when they're picking up blitzes. And so people can say all they want, Oh, they're struggling, whatever. Like, I don't care. He can't play because on anytime there's a pass, if he screws it up, Unless you're Adrian Peterson, let's be very clear, right? right? Like, like you're the best running back of all time. So I, I don't know enough about cornerback play and like kind of how that goes to say what is that thing. But it feels like there's something like that happening because each week it's like there's some stuff we got to clean up. Like, what is that thing that would be so detrimental that he can't play? Is it run fits? Because you know the corners have to tackle a lot here. He, he struggled with that early in the season. So sure, but like he was good in that area on Sunday, and uh, Benjamin St. Juice was the guy who needed to to clean up on the touchdown. Yeah. So I, I just would be curious again to kind of get more insight on that perspective because I think I will say this about Ron: he does a really good job of not calling guys out in the media unless he has to. Unlike you know you mentioned Jack Del Rio and Jamin Davis, like he had no problem doing that. Ron is not going to do that. So I want to know what that thing is. What is the thing that needs to get cleaned up and how significant is it? Because if it's something that's very significant to their new defensive identity, then yeah. But but what is it? You know, like, why don't you just say, like, then, he's having a hard time with... Coach it up for him. Yeah. Like No, no, I'm not, say, I'm not saying... Yeah. I'm sure they are coaching yeah, yeah. it up. I'm not being critical of that. But I'm just saying, like, I think yeah. he's... He, you know, he's doing... And we're like, on the same page. Yeah, he's yeah. doing a thing where he's, like, holding something close to the vest, probably trying to protect the player... But like, could it be my, my question, I guess, is on the scale of what is the level of significance? Like you're a running back who can't pick up a blitz. That's pretty significant. Are you a cornerback who's not the best at tackling in the run game? That seems less significant to me. But what is that thing? And I'm just curious to know what it is. I would love to know. Yeah, would love to know, because the results say that Forbes has been good for, you know, in very limited action since the New England game. Like, right. What are we what are we doing? Um, and, and, also he's he's, had, and he's had an injury to be fair for so, sure like, for sure but like I, I guess I just look at it as like Ron's like I have to leave my legacy I have to do this with Sam I have to do and it's like bro this was the guy that you were on draft morning in your car that you put out in you know after you took him oh, Forbes is our guy like okay then play him right like, you got him you got your guy let's see him let's see let's see your first round pick um and like, like you said, with Quan, like, what is it that Quan's doing that they're all in on Quan and, and letting him play that Emmanuel's not? I don't, I don't get it. Um, but who knows? We'll see what happens. BSJ uh, injured in this game, obviously, which is why Emmanuel came in. Um, he and many others, uh, long list of injuries that Ron is going to give updates on 
on Wednesday. Uh, so we'll see how those guys are shaping up for San Francisco. We are going to preview San Francisco uh, and what they do uh, coming up on our next podcast. Uh, also working on a, a very fun guest that uh, actually I'll even say the guest. We don't know for sure that we're going to get him this week, but for sure in the near future, Jim Nagy, uh, the senior the executive really cool. director of the senior bowl is going to join us. Uh, he's obviously got a great view on all the college prospects, but also uh, he's been tweeting out about some of the front office folks who are maybe not general managers, but director of pro, uh, pro personnel, director of college scouting type of GM candidates that Jim has gotten to know real well over the years down in mobile. Uh, so we will talk to Jim Nagy coming up soon uh, amongst other guests here on the take command podcast. Uh, I'll see y'all on the radio uh, until the next episode of this here show. Uh, also make sure you subscribed. If you haven't, uh, we're going to have so much coverage of all the off season stuff, all the, the uh, presumed changes coming, et cetera. So now is good a time to get on board as ever, as we survive the next couple of weeks together. Uh, that's Logan. I'm Craig. We'll see you next time on the take command podcast.